Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We all know the verse where it says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And obviously, that is a true statement. But the question is this, are there times where it is appropriate for us to pray to God that he would pour out his vengeance upon an individual? And the answer to that question, based upon what we've learned thus far in our study of this psalm, is yes, indeed. And the example is King David. And what's so important is how David is speaking to God and why God is going to be responsive to David because David is concerned for the righteousness of God. It's not just about David, but David sees this one or at times these individuals that are a threat not only to him but to other individuals. And as we've seen and as we'll continue to see, David is laying a case out why God should punish these individuals and not just them, but also their heritage, which means the generations that will come from them, that this vengeance would also visit them. Well, with that said, take out your Bibles, please, and look with me to the book of Psalms. We began Psalm 109 last week, and we're going to continue where we left off this week, and that is in verse 17. So Psalm 109 and verse 17. Now, notice what it says about this individual. That this one, it says in verse 17, that a curse this one has loved. Meaning this, he has seen the effects of one suffering, and he loves that. And that word love in the Hebrew, lahov, is a word of commitment. It is a word that says, I want to get involved in something. I want to be participating in this. And instead of wanting to bless, wanting to love, wanting to, to do something in a positive way, this one loves a curse. And therefore, notice what David says concerning this one. This one who has loved a curse, it says, let it come upon him. Now, this is a, a biblical concept. Why? Well, remember what Messiah taught in the Gospels where he says, the measure that you measure with will be measured back unto you. This is exactly what David is saying. This one who has loved a curse, seeing people suffering, let that curse come upon him. Let him experience it. And why? Well, keep reading in the second part of this verse where it says, For he has not desired, he has not wanted blessing. And what it means is this. He's not interested in God's blessings. 
and nor does he want other people to be blessed now if you are walking with god if you are sensitive to the spirit's leadership in your life you are going to want to be a blessing to others you're going to want to influence them that they would behave in a way that god would bless them as people of faith as people in a covenantal relationship with god we want blessing but this one does not he does not want blessing and therefore what does david say put it far from him meaning that where you're blessing god put him far away from this location of blessing in other words that this one would not be blessed now look at the next verse verse 18 where he says a curse is what he puts on as his we might say uniform or garment now that word here for a garment or as i translated a uniform speaks of something that reveals a a purpose one's purpose for example someone who's a police officer you understand that he's a police officer because of his outfit likewise a soldier or a doctor or a nurse people oftentimes have a certain specific type of dress and when you see that dress you can see what that person is going to be doing his role his calling and here what we see is this this one's attire shows that he is committed to once more not blessing but a curse so he puts upon himself as his outfit a curse and what does david say in regard to that let enter into him as water now he mentions water for a reason water has the ability to saturate something you put something in water and that water usually is absorbed into that that entity that thing if it's a garment and we're talking about garments so if you submerge in water a garment that garment is going to become full of water and that's what david is saying he uses another expression let's look at the entire verse where it says and let come as water into his midst so that he would be saturated with curse and then also as oil into his bones and the implication is this that when you put oil into something that oil moves slowly but it just keeps flowing and oil tends to to move and find its way throughout and that's what david is saying he wants this one in other words with the use of water and oil he wants that one to be thoroughly experiencing the curse the curse that he loves to see others suffering david is saying may it be visited thoroughly upon this one that it would penetrate the very essence of this one and by the way the word for bones here can also be understood at the very essence of an individual verse 19 and let it be to him as a garment that wraps him up and also as a a belt that always girds him 
So again, he's talking about that same concept of a curse. And he wants that curse that he would be wrapped up in that and that he would be bound, girded, uses that term for this one, again, being thoroughly cursed. That's what David is wanting. Why? Because this one loves to curse others. And when I say that, I'm not talking simply about a, an unkind proclamation. But when we speak of curse, we're speaking about judgment. We're speaking about suffering. We're speaking about something that is unpleasant, that causes grief and sorrow and pain. And this one delights in this. Now, as we study this one more and more throughout the scripture, what do we find? That the things that characterize Satan are also the things that characterize this individual. He's not a servant of God. He's not interested in the things of God. But rather, he is one that is expressing the behavior, the attitude, the character of the enemy. And all, of the, all that David is saying is, God, deal with him as your enemy. Verse 20. This, and this word, this, oftentimes relates to the primary thing. Reveals the, the real indicator of a situation of an individual, the primary thing. So he says, this as a, an activity of, and we could see this word as oppression or the word adversity or in the concept of accusing. So this one, his primary thing is the activity to oppress, to accuse and bring adversity. And what David is saying here is this. May the one who are, are behaving in this way, may they from you, O Lord, may you cause them to experience what they're doing to others. May you place it upon them. For these are the ones who behave in this way and they speak evil upon or against my soul, the very essence of David. So this one, whose actions are oppression, adversity, making accusations against, may, may these from the Lord experience God's judgment. These same ones who speak evil against David's soul. Verse 21. And you, O Lord God, Make with me according to your name. Now, this is most informing because it says something. It teaches us that David wants to, to give the character of God to others, meaning this. David wants to behave, and David wants God to work in his life in order that he manifests through his words, his actions, that he manifests the character of God. Look again at this verse, verse 21. And you, O Lord God, make me according to your name. Now, this word according to can be for the sake of. What David is saying is what motivates me, what I desire, what I want you to do in my life, 
is that you would make me like your name and name is synonymous with character this is the difference david wants to express the character of god and this one that david is saying to god and praying and is the basis of the psalm god judge him god place your retribution your vengeance upon him because he stands in opposition to your character to your will and to your your nature of what you want people to receive this is and this one is an enemy and there's going to be something else that david is going to turn to and we see something if you keep reading the last thing we said was according to your name for good is your grace now we can see something when we look at this and apply the laws of hebrew poetry to this passage and it's this that there is a relationship a very very strong connection between character and grace now god is perfect and god's perfect character manifests grace but we can look at it kind of in the reversal meaning this when you receive god's grace when the grace of god is active in your life you are going to see a character change god's grace is going to impact the very essence of who you are that's why grace is so important and david is going to speak of it a few times in this passage of scripture so he says for good is your grace and notice something else it says and therefore save me grace and we see two things deliverance but deliverance for a purpose see when you ask god god work in my life god help me deliver me rescue me save me whenever we use these terms we should also put in our petition why god why should you save me why should you deliver me from this opponent why should you rescue me from this enemy and this bad situation whatever it might be and the answer is this god that i can demonstrate your character and again there's a relationship between the character of god and the work of god the activity of god the deeds of god meaning this when your character is changed by the grace of god that character change is going to manifest itself in activity in deeds in the things that you and i do and this is a a very important understanding of this biblical concept of grace grace changes the way we behave now we need to be careful i say this frequently but but so many times i get emails and people miss this point so listen carefully we are saved by grace it is a free gift we are not saved by works that would be a a heresy that my good works save me no they don't you can't do a good work in a a a lost condition it's only after being regenerated by the grace of god through the spirit of god by faith in messiah through that gospel message that you and i doesn't matter who we're talking about everyone has the same experience once you are saved 
everyone becomes regenerated. What does that mean? Everyone becomes born again. They become a new creation. And now, through God's grace that's received by faith, you become a new creation, and you're going to think differently. You are going to be given a new character, and that new way of thinking, that new character is going to express itself in a different behavior. And we can be most specific. We can say what that behavior is going to be, and that is righteous behavior. It's just that simple. One is saved freely. It's a gift through the grace of God. God being merciful, God's character wanting to forgive. He saves you. He does all the work of salvation. We play no role in it other than to receive it by faith. And then we become changed. We become that new creation. We have new life. We become a new man or a new woman. And this newness, and that word new relates to the kingdom, that newness of the kingdom that comes into us through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit will manifest itself in our speech, in our thoughts, and in our deeds. Verse 22. Now, he's going to be speaking, and think of this, this is King David, but he says here, for, and the word is ani. Usually, this word can mean poor, but we're probably not speaking this in a financial sense. It can also mean afflicted. Now, when I look at this, and I'm using a, a book, it's a book of Psalms, that's all that contains in it. And, of course, it's all in Hebrew. But underneath the Hebrew are, are other Hebrew words that, that help us understand. Some of you are familiar with an amplified Bible that gives a, a greater understanding of that concept, at least based upon whoever did the amplified Bible. Well, this is similar. It has underneath the biblical text words to help us understand what the intent is. And here, where it has a word for poor in many Bibles, it's the Hebrew word underneath it to help us understand it means one who is weak. Meaning David is suffering oppression. He's going through difficult times and he is made weak by this enemy. And it also, the next word, evyon, which is a word for being someone who is, is to be pity, someone who's in a destitute situation, not always financially, although that's the most common use, but it can also be someone who is spiritually empty. Someone who has, has suffered greatly, they're weak spiritually, and they're calling to God, they're turning to God for help. This is what's happening here. So he says, for afflicted and, and desperate am I. And my heart, and we have a word, halal. The word halal means empty. It's the same word that is used for outer space. What's in outer space? Nothing primarily. It's an empty place. And this word halal can also be used in regard to someone who is empty inwardly, meaning can be used for a dead person that the soul has departed. And what David is saying is, my heart is like a dead person. Spiritually, I am an empty within me. 
David is coming before God and saying, spiritually, I am bankrupt. I need your help, God. You have got to bring a change to me. That's what David is, is praying for, a change in his life. And that change isn't going to come unless, and this is David's supposition, unless, God, you pour out your vengeance upon the one that is causing me this affliction, causing me to be weak, causing me to be empty inwardly. Verse, verse 23. Like a shadow is, is placed out. Now, what does that mean? Well, a shadow falls. And you'll notice something, that, that as the sun begins to go down, the shadows uh, grow, and they grow quite rapidly. And this is the idea here, it says, as a shadow is, we might say, laid out or stretched out, and the idea here, and underneath it says, over maher, which means it passes quickly. He says, thus my days also pass. Now, in the Hebrew, in the biblical text, it simply speaks about how I have walked, how I have gone by. And what he's talking about for himself, because we have the first person singular here, it's speaking about David, but David's life. And life can be sometimes thought of as days. Teach me to order my days, meaning teach me to order my life. And here David is simply saying, as a shadow uh, uh, stretched out quickly, so too my life has passed. And he says here that, that as locusts uh, shake. Now, the idea here is that David has been shaken as locusts. What does locusts do? Locusts come and they just strip away everything that is green, everything that, that has life, all those uh, bushes and shrubs and trees and plants and such. They come and they devour it. And it brings a change. Everything that was there is gone. That's what David is speaking about. The same word, if you look at it, in the Hebrew New Testament, where it speaks about uh, the apostles going into villages and city, and when those villages and cities don't receive them, what are they told to do? To go and shake the dust from their feet meaning separation. And this is what David is saying. As locusts bring a separation from that which signifies life, and now when the locusts leave, every sign of that is just shaken away, gone. This is what David is saying about his life. Everything that, that had, had uh, vitality in it is gone, shaken away. And he says... Look down to verse 24. My knees are, are failing. Now, it's a word to stumble or fail. Here it is. Underneath it says, are weak. So David's weak, meaning he's finding it hard to stand. Uh, oftentimes, you'll see that when someone like a boxer and one hits another, and right before he falls to the mat, what happens? His knees buckle. And this is the ideal here 
of what David is saying, that his knees are buckling under. He's weak. He's about to collapse. But why? Notice what it says. From the fast. And the idea here is that David, in light of his situation, he has been fasting. And this fasting has brought him to a breaking point physically. And he also says, my, my flesh is, is thin or lean from fatness, meaning there's no fatness upon him. He has been wasting away fasting before God for a change. And what's he fasting for? God's judgment, God's vengeance to fall upon these individuals, these who are his enemies, these who hate blessing, these who are in opposition to the purposes of God. Verse, verse 25. And I have become contemptible or shameful to them. Now, what David is saying is this. God, as I walk in your will, as I am committed to your purposes, as I am behaving righteously, this is seen as a disgraceful thing to them. They are in opposition to the will of God, the character of God, the righteousness of God. And it says here, and they see me, and, and they see me, and what did they do? It says, they shake their head. Now, this shaking of the head is also an act of, <coughs> excuse me, contempt. David's righteousness, David's commitment to God, they see that. And they shake their head, they have contempt for it. That's what it's saying. And it uses a word, the word kerpa, earlier on, which means disgrace, shame, that which is detestable to, to someone. And this is how they see David. Verse 26. The Lord, my God, has helped me. David is speaking of this in the past. In the past, he's saying, God, you are my God, you are my Lord, and you have helped me. And now he says, save me. Save me according to, and here again we find it again, the word chesed, which is best understood as the word translated by the word grace. So notice, David wants a godly change in his life. And he sees that, that the foundation of that godly change is the grace of God. And this is something that is so foundational, so elementary for us, we need to realize that. It is, and hear this carefully, it is the grace of God that brings about good changes in our life. If you have not received the grace of God, nothing is going to change in your life in a positive way, in the way that's going to bring you into God's will, bring you into his purposes, bring you into God's blessing. So David says, God Oh, Lord, my God, you have helped me. And the implication is in the past. So now save me according to your grace. And let me say something else about grace. There is an inherent relationship between the grace of God and the will of God being carried out, being brought into a reality. And that's why we need to understand grace. 
Now, grace gives me liberty. We can say it differently. Grace gives me freedom, but that liberty and freedom is so that I can be used by God to accomplish his will. This is something that, that oftentimes believers are forgetting. They ignore the grace of God is to bring about in my life God's will. Not my, but God's will. And wisdom, spiritual maturity is when I am wise enough to make my will, my plans, my purposes, my objectives to take hold of God's plans, God's purposes, God's purposes, God's objectives. That is spiritual maturity where there's an agreement. Just like Messiah said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. There is that coming together between the will of an individual and the will of God. When that happens, that is the outcome of God's grace working in a person's life. Very important that we see that truth. Verse 27. That, that they will know that your hand has done this. Now again, we need to see that David isn't taking action. David is praying that God would take action, and he's saying that when you do, God, I want them to know that your hand has done this, that you, O Lord, have done it, that you have brought about this deliverance for me, that you have vindicated me by placing your vengeance upon them that they will become a curse, but you, you will bless. Now, what it literally means is this. They bless, it's showing, it's showing a, a dichotomy, a contrast between them and God. And this verse is very, very important. Look again, I want to get it right, where it says, and they curse now, down below it says, they curse me. That may be the implication, but in a general sense, they live a cursed life. They like cursing others. That's them. But, very important word, ve'ata, but you, you bless. May they get up, that's the implication, they rise up, and they rise up for shame. They rise up, and they will be ashamed. What they're about, what they're doing, may it bring shame upon them. But, he says, your servant, your servant, he will rejoice. Now, learn a very important principle. This is what's going to happen. Those who rise up and make it their objective to curse others, meaning do what they want, pursue their own purposes, their own objectives, they are going to ultimately know the shame that God puts upon them. But those who, and notice how David sees himself, and we can see this speaking beyond David, it's true for everyone, your servant, your servant eventually is going to rejoice, be glad. Then he says, verse 29, the ones that hate me, and this word, may be better understood it's just that hate this is what it has underneath the hebrew text but it may be a word of oppression a word of adversity so those who oppress me those who who 
accuse me. Those who bring adversity upon me, let them be dressed with shame. Now, we're seeing different words in this text being used for shame and, and that which bears uh, guiltiness upon them. So David is saying that those who oppress me, bring adversity unto me, falsely accuse me, let them be dressed in shame. And as a coat, let them be surrounded with, and he uses a different word for their shame, meaning this. He's pointing out something, and that third-person plural possessive uh, pronoun is important, where it says their, because they are acting shamefully. And what David is saying over and over is, I want their behavior to visit themselves, to come back upon them. This is what they're doing to others. Let it be done to them as well. Let them receive what they deserve. The retribution for how they are acting contemptibly upon others. Verse, verse 30. David concludes, we're just two verses away from concluding this psalm. And notice what David says. I will give thanks to the Lord greatly now it's the word meod which means exceedingly very exceedingly so david says i will give thanks exceedingly unto the lord with my mouth and in my midst in the midst of many so before many people is what he's saying when it says uftoch in the midst of many i will praise him now, what this says is I'm going to praise God in the midst of others. Why? David has confidence that this prayer that he's making is going to be heard by God and that God, in God's timing, according to God's righteous plan, his will, this is going to be done. God is going to respond. So he says, I will give thanks to the Lord exceedingly with my mouth. And in the midst of many, I will praise him. Verse 31. For he will stand on the right hand. Now, what does that mean? Most will say that this is an idiom when it says to the right. Right, yamin can also speak of integrity. And he will stand for those who desire and behave with integrity according to the truth so he will stand to the right of the destitute one the afflicted one why because this one is standing on the side of integrity to save from judgments his soul now notice it goes from my to his meaning this David is wanting not just himself, but all those who are in a similar situation like David, that God will move, that God will justify. And here we're not talking about justification as far as forgiveness of sins, but we're talking about justification where God shows, manifests, we belong to him. That we are the people of the one true living God. And therefore, God, he will defend us he will save us, and he will act 
in order to bring about our retribution. That is to bring, bring vengeance upon them so that we can stand in victory. Vengeance brings about the victory for God's people. We can say it a different word, very important word, and that is vindication. That's what David is praying for, for himself and for others who are in that, that covenantal relationship with God, that they would know the vindication of the Lord. That is to experience that victory over one's enemies. And our enemies are the enemies of God. Well, I'll close with that until next week when we begin a new psalm, Psalm 110. Until then, shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.